back-to-back shows with a guest. We're so special. Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Oh! Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. As always, I'm your host, KJ, joined by the forever wonderful Zach Mack. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, it's starting to finally get a little warmer, so I'm feeling better. Hey, uh, Jason Zucker made us look like geniuses last night. He scored two goals, his first two. In a big win for the Pens. It's so, almost, uh, yeah, it's almost like playing for a good team is more fun. <laughs> who who would have thought? <laughs> uh, we have a really fun episode today. Uh, we're joined by my wife, Stephanie. She's basically belly up Stephanie at this point. <laughs> uh, that was a weird thing to say. But <laughs> we uh, she's got a bunch of hockey-related questions, things that uh, maybe brand new or newer fans might have as they're watching hockey. So Zach Mack and I will, you know, go back and forth answering those and giving as much insight as, as we can, as we continue to be ex- or pretend to be experts on hockey. Uh, but first we have a few NHL things to talk about real quick before we go into all this. If you guys haven't listened to our last episode uh, where we talk about the a- uh, avalanche and capitals and injuries, uh, I also, we also had a cool interview with Nick Moraldo from that's hockey talk and the Pat McAfee show. So go check that out. If you haven't already, uh, you can do it now or come back and listen to this episode whenever you're ready, but definitely go do that. Uh, Zach. Well, I got to say Zach twice. Zach, Zach Cassian only got seven games for the attempted kick on Austin Cernak. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it- it was very polarizing on Twitter. I mean, some people were like, should have been season ending. Some people were like, seven's too many. I, I, I'm so sick of – I shouldn't say sick of it because they deserve it, but the player safety, just knocking player safety because it's it's so inconsistent. I, I thought it should have been more. I I don't – I don't know. I'm not upset about it because seven games is a lot, and, and I, I'm glad it wasn't like two or three, but – I, I don't know how much of this has to do with, like, I saw something about maybe, like, this. they're afraid of giving them long ones and then going through an appeal. I don't know. I I guess bottom line to answer your question, I I didn't think it was enough. I, I don't I don't necessarily think it should have been season-ending, but I, I, I thought, thought it should have been more than seven. Yeah, I also thought it should have been more than seven. I This is truly one of the more disgusting things you can do as a hockey player. And I don't care if he hit the chest chest protector or barely touched him or anything. It it was an attempted kick with the blade of a knife. Like There's just no room for that in the NHL. I wanted 20. I think 20 was the right number for this. But I will say that seven at least shows that they acknowledged – a good amount of the facts that were in front of them. Not all of them, obviously, like attempted murder. But they they at least looked, you know, this guy's a repeat offender. He ragdolled someone a month ago. We had to suspend him for two games. You know, he's always kind of in the news for 
you know, definitely not his skill. Yeah. I, and he's going to lose like 170 grand from that suspension. So I'm, it should have been more, but I'm not going to complain too much about seven. Yeah. Like you said, the repeat offender is the reason why I thought it should have been more and how soon of a repeat offender he was. And, and like you said, it's a knife. It's basically a knife shoe. It's like, if you went at somebody, a knife shoe. <laughs> it's like if you went at somebody's chest with a knife in your hand, like you tried to stab them. Like it's essentially what what it was. So I, yeah, I think it should have been more. Yeah, I mean, literally, we've all quoted Happy Gilmore our entire life, and all of a sudden, you know, he goes from trying to stab someone with a skate blade to we don't think it's a very big deal. Yeah, but, and and I think we can both agree that complaining about Chara. We're talking about what Char got for that cross check to the face, which, yes, that should have been. That's a pretty violent act in its own right. That probably should have been a suspension as well. But these are two totally different acts. I don't care what kind of force is being used in either act or what the end result was. Char knew. All right, the worst can worst that's going to happen is I, you know, probably bust a few teeth, break my stick, you know. Ultimately, he could give a concussion doing that. I understand that. But the end result of what dry or not dry idol, Zach Cassian tried to do was like killing somebody. Yeah, it's just like it would have like imagine if he would have taken his skate off and thrown it at him. Like that seems in your mind seems worse. But like if you think about it, there's more force behind a kick. So I don't, I don't, it just makes no sense. Well, and didn't Tuka Rass skate blade fall off? Uh, during a game, and he like threw it towards the ref to try to get the attention of him, or, like try to get his attention. <laughs> I believe it. I don't. I don't remember. I'm that. pretty sure that happened. And I know goalies don't have the same skate blades, but it was it. It. I don't know. It really rubbed me the wrong way that there was anybody out there, not so much defending what he did, but trying to you know convince themselves he should only get three to five games. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, what would it, what is it gonna take for like a 40 game suspension in this league that isn't PED related. Yeah. Unfortunately it's going to take somebody probably doing what Cassian did, but the skate rides up to the neck, slices the neck open. And then we're like, shit, shit, you know, but it's unfortunate that it's going to, it's going to take that. It's like in every medieval movie when like, ultimately the protagonist looks at someone and goes, how much more blood do you want? (laughs) And, And like, that's us begging department of player safety. Like, please, do something like this is all on your hands because none of these guys get punished properly. Yeah. Speaking of which, I've been reading all the Miles Garrett stuff that's coming out today too. Talking about not getting punished properly. Yeah. God, I saw that too. The other big news this week, uh, as of yesterday, was uh, Bruce Boudreau out as the Wild head coach. Uh, they were struggling most of the season, but actually looked kind of good the last couple weeks, and then they were just three points out of a playoff spot. And then Garen in his, you know, merry band come out and say, this this is because we want to make the playoffs. I, maybe you can shed some light on this. I don't understand this at all. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe you can shed some light on this. I don't get it either. It's They're finally doing something right, and the coach is gone. Not only is the coach gone, it's a good coach that's gone. I, I don't get it. I I thought maybe it was like, no, well, they wanted to tank and he wasn't doing a good job tanking, but then they call and say they want to make the playoffs. And it's like, I can't connect the dots at all. Yeah, it, he's, 
I said it. I said it yesterday. I think on Twitter, Bruce Boudreau is one of the more interesting, like coaching record, co- coaching history type guys, because he was like probably the most consistent hundred point head coach, and they were winning the division all those times and making the playoffs. But he he'd never even been to a, a cup final, and you know we're kind of overlooking just how bad they are at the beginning of the season. But this is a guy who always finds a way to make it work. And I feel like just three points out of the playoff was enough leeway for him to find a way to make it work. Now I think thing, it, now I think it's going to be much worse than it would have been had they finished the season with Boudreaux. Yeah, and I will say, I guess the only way that this kind of does make sense with me is that there are a ton of, I shouldn't say a ton, but there's a handful of coaches out there who don't have a job right now that probably should. And maybe in the background, the wild are talking to those coaches. And one of them was like, yeah, I'd be interested in coaching. And they're like, okay, well, let's just get rid of Boudreaux because we got this guy we like and he's willing to take it in. And maybe they'll wait. I don't know how long they'll wait before they bring him in. And maybe that, maybe I'm not even right, but we'll see. Maybe that is, that, that would be the way it makes sense to me is that there's like Gallant or somebody else out there where they're like, we want this guy. He's ready to take the job. Let's get Boudreaux out so we can get this in motion. Yeah. Boudreaux's just, I worry for Boudreaux going to a team without a decent amount of talent. Like, I I think, all in all, Boudreaux is probably a better coach than Gallant, just at the surface. But I, I don't think Boudreaux fits in as many situations as Gallant probably does. And even if even if Gallant ends up in Detroit, that wouldn't be the right job for Boudreaux anyway. Right. I, at least I don't think. I mean, do you think uh, – could you see Boudreaux going to San Jose? Uh, it would – yeah. Probably, he could probably do enough with aging veterans like he's been doing in Minnesota to get them to the playoffs maybe at least one more time. Like probably three years in San Jose is enough for Boudreaux. But he'd get into the playoffs, playoffs one time. Just, you know, to say he got them there and then, you know, guys would retire and the team would fall apart. Yeah, I would probably agree. I don't I don't know where I see him, but I think at the end of the season when all the open jobs are being looked at, like I think Nashville would have been a good spot for him, but they rushed to sign John Hines for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason. Uh, oh, that would have been such a good spot for him now that I think about it. Um, less, less NHL uh, – news item is Jason Zucker making us look real smart. The bump. The the puck puck pass bump. He came out last night. Uh, his first two goals as a penguin. First assisted by, of course, Sidney Crosby. He, uh, and both of them on Carey Price. Love to see it. Love to see it. And a uh, big, big win for Pittsburgh. I'm telling you, he's going to score at one of those weird, like, 60 goal paces for the rest of the year. He's obviously he's not going to score that many, but you know, he'll probably have 20 goals before the end of 20 more goals as a penguin by the end of the regular season. Yeah. We, we alluded to it before we recorded, but it's, I think he's going to just have a blast much more fun than he was having before. And, uh, you know, playing for the penguins, obviously a contender. Then make a tear this year. If he fits in perfectly, like we said, you're right. He's just, and I think we mentioned how he is a good piece and how it's exactly the kind of piece that Pittsburgh needed. But I think he's going to, like you said, he's going to turn out to be even better than we thought. 
Yeah, just kind of – he seems like he's already been a little rejuvenated in a, on a team that is a serious cup contender. And they look really damn good. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. And, like, there's other weird things going on in the standings that we know by next Wednesday won't be the same. Like, the Rangers have won four in a row. They're, you know, now they're only seven points out, which is seven points, but they've they've won four in a row, and that you know that Metro's been wild this year. It's uh, Nashville, Minnesota, and Winnipeg all above Chicago again, all within reach of the playoffs. So <laughs> the West is is probably going to be the most fun we have as hockey fans for a while. Yeah, this this playoff push is going to be so damn exciting. Playoff push, and then just seeing how many teams were mismatched because of poor regular season play, like in the play in the postseason, like it's really set up to get four upsets in the first round of the like last year all over again. Let's not let, let's maybe not talk about last year. <laughs> haven't haven't lived that one down, but it, the Knights will be in that position again. They can either like get a huge upset or just fall apart on a five minute penalty kill. Um, that's it for the NHL. Now we are going to be joined by the aforementioned Stephanie, belly up Stephanie, my wife. She's got all her, uh, hockey related questions, the do's and don'ts, the, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Uh, so we'll just, uh, Zach, if you think you have a better answer, please, uh, speak up because I, 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 I looked at some of these, but not. Uh, I didn't memorize them, so I'm not completely <laughs> sure what's coming our way. But if you're a newer hockey fan or you've always wondered something about the league, hopefully we can answer it here. And as always, if you have similar questions, at Puck Puck Pass Pod on Twitter, you can always tweet at us or our personals, Belly Up KJ and Belly Up Zach Mack. Definitely send your questions in. We love answering them. So without further ado, here's Stephanie with her first question. Oh, hello, Stephanie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> We're great. What's your What's your first uh, hockey related question? And try not to bump the mic. Sorry. All right. First time. First time. All right. So, why do some hockey teams have just an assistant, an assistant captain, and some have one captain? So they're actually alternate captains. Oh. And Zach, you're a, you're a fan of a team that doesn't have a captain. I'm pretty sure. Uh, why don't you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So. I did. I like that the I like the way the question was asked because I for the longest time too thought it was assistant. But you're right; it is alternate captains, and they're supposed to serve the purpose of if the captain's not available or he's in the box or he's in, in the dressing room or something like that. That's when the alternate steps in and takes on those duties. But so yeah, I don't. I, I, different teams have different reasons why they don't. I know the Red Wings specifically came off of having pretty solid leaders and they went from Iserman to Lidstrom to Zetterberg. I'm pretty sure was the order. I'm not sure if there's one in between, but uh, they didn't really have a clear leader after that. So I think it was plus Steve Eisman coming in and wanted to make a decision um, for the Red Wings specifically just wanted to take their time. I, I think a lot of times some teams rush into who they choose for their captain. And there mm-hmm. are some other teams who want to take their time with it. And that's probably the case for a majority of them. I would think. And, and especially, you know, like a team with the uh, a team like the Knights, who Stephanie's a huge fan of, they you know were bringing in veterans and young players all at once, all for the first time in the same room. So you know they still haven't assigned a, 
a captain, but I think these guys always have a pretty clear understanding of who's the leader in the room. And, you know, maybe the, the captaincy doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always represent the best player, obviously, but it, it represents the guy who's leading the dressing room. And sometimes that's, you know, saying it without saying it. They don't need the seat. Yeah. It's a good answer. All right. All right. Um, so how many people are allowed to be in a, the box at once? The penalty box? The penalty box at once. Oh, uh, we've – I don't – I doubt there's an actual limit. As many that can fit. But I know <laughs> – yeah, as many as can fit, yeah. Well, it's pretty small, so. <laughs> Three charas or 22 nanogurries. <laughs> but – I mean, realistically, you could, you know, throw as many as you want in there, but it's never going to be more than five on three. It just, from my understanding, it would just keep resetting the two minutes of the the five on three penalty. Yeah, that's that's the uh, most important part of it, I think, is that you're right. I don't think it matters how many you can get in the box. I'm not quite sure if I got overfilled and they got another penalty. I don't know what, I've never seen that, so I don't know what they would do. But you're right. I'm pretty sure, like, once it's five on three and you get another penalty, I think it just piggybacks and starts once the first one is over if i'm not mistaken yeah i i believe so and then with line brawls and everything you always get you know three or four guys in in each box i've seen like memes of i'm not even making fun of them but i think there's a picture of the flyers with like five guys in the box <laughs> and jerush just staring at the camera <laughs> it's like having a picnic in there it does look like the bench sometimes it does I guess I never knew if it would ever be like goalie against goalie and they're going Jeez. for You might be on a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> if there's no shootout winner after ten after ten rounds, that's what we switch to. <laughs> um, all right, next question. What are some teams like score songs? Uh, there's uh there's the famous da 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 um, I'm actually not we, sure if every team has a specific. I mean, obviously, I know the Blackhawks, Chelsea Dagger, and I've grew up hating that song for that reason. <laughs> but uh, I can't remember. I know the Rangers for sure have one, but I don't think it's an. I'm not sure if it's an actual song or something like the team came up with. But we we went to a game last March at MSG, and I remember a specific song, but I just don't know what it is, but teams change them all the time too. The, I think the Flyers were like thunderstruck when I was in high school. I went to a few games. Yeah, I want to say the Hurricanes had Sweet Caroline at one point, but I don't know if they still have it. Ouch. That No, that, that, that fits them pretty well. The Stars probably have some country song, and then some teams just have really long buzzers. Like yeah. the, the Bullhorn just goes obnoxious. forever. Oh, My, dude, when Kovalchuk scored that overtime winner in Montreal – I was sitting there with the TV volume up, and I was like, "Man, I feel like this horn is going to go down anytime soon. That'd be nice." <laughs> yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Kind of. <clears throat> kind of. Um, you should have been a little more prepared on this one. <laughs> and that question: um, Do people track hockey like they do baseball? So, like the score, like the score, yeah, where you get like a little sheet of paper and. With your little the, diamonds. The absolute dumbest thing about baseball, thankfully, doesn't translate to hockey. <laughs> well. I mean, there there are always people that are tracking stats uh, for official purposes, like yeah, like NHL.com and 
Uh, each team has stat keepers and everything, or they're called scorekeepers, but they don't have, like, there's no fan handbook to tracking, like, hits, shots. I mean, you could make your own, but thankfully that doesn't. Uh, it's just I, a- I've never seen that. Have you ever seen anything no, like that? No, I was just going to say, I, I kind of want a hypothetical one. Now, I feel like this would be something would be right up Jackson's alley. Like, create us a sheet that we can track the game on that's not too complicated, but, like, we can keep track of the important stats. And I don't, I just don't know. I I think, I feel like the game's too fast moving to do something like that though. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say you have to pick like a line to track. Like you, you go with like three of your buddies and you each just track like one line from each team. It's interesting. You say it's the dumbest part about baseball. I used to love that part as a kid. Mm -hmm. I I just think it's, I think it's so stupid. Like I've been, I've been to a, plenty of baseball games mainly because you know it's a fun day drinking for six dollars well the beers are 22 dollars, but the tickets to baseball games are like six dollars and i'd see you know probably a dude in a visor with a pencil in it waiting to keep score on a game that keeps score for you on a giant board in the outfield (laughs) insane to me but yeah, so the the answer is no. <laughs> um, what are the most number of overtimes a team has ever gotten? Like how like many? Like, like how many overtimes have they gone to consecutively? Yeah. Mm, off the top of my head, I want to say seven. seven. Okay. Seven. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Penn's Flyers. Um, the Keith Primo. For some goal. reason, I've got like in my head, like Canadians went to some. I. I don't know why, but I during the playoffs, I will say that if a game goes to overtime, I, I, that's what I'm rooting for. It's like, just please have this go into as many overtimes as we can. And I know the players don't want it because <laughs> it's probably exhausting. And if we go into six overtimes, you're essentially playing three games at that point, which is insane to think about. Yeah. Uh- in 1936, the Red Wings beat the Montreal Maroons in an eight-overtime game. God. Jeez. That, that hurts. But uh, for playoffs – oh, that was a playoff game. <laughs> that game in 1936 was, in fact, a playoff game. Yeah, see, they should have just been doing goalie versus goalie at that point. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything that's recent as far as – oh, these are playoffs. In 2003, Anaheim and Dallas. Oh, that's one overtime. Oh, yeah, Philadelphia-Pittsburgh. 92 minutes of overtime. That's like into the fifth that's, overtime? Yeah, that's into the fifth overtime. Wow. Yeah, that's that's nuts. That, that would never happen. I don't happen. even know what you would need to recover from that. Like, it's like if you've been, if you've never seen the video, look up Keith Primo's uh, fifth overtime or five overtime goal. He can't even really celebrate. Like the guys are just dragging. It's yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, that would we would that would never happen today. I think after the third overtime, they just go to a shootout. These guys would be dead. <laughs> Um, so brings me to my next question of shootouts. What's the most number 
of shootouts a team has got. How in many a game. rounds in a shootout? Yeah. Ooh. I definitely don't know that off the top of my head, but I do know Capitals Panthers went to 21 rounds. Wow. A couple years ago. Do you remember I, that? Game? I was going to say I thought it was high teens. I didn't realize it went into 20s. There's a lot. There's a lot of rounds. Obviously, not as exhausting yeah. as multiple overtimes would be, but still, at some point, you're like, this isn't no. even, even people who like shootouts, you're like, come on, this is not even fun anymore. I wonder how mentally tax- taxing that is for goalies. <laughs> Does the pressure build every round, do you think? Or is it just like, well, at this point, it's, we're already, we've showed out enough? I think the pressure. I don't know. I feel like the pressure for the goalie that goes second is probably always a little higher. I would think. But after the first three shots and then it goes to sudden death, the pressure probably stays pretty consistent until you get to like that 10th round. And you're like, okay, now this is a story that's going to be told for a long time. I want to be on the winning side of it. Do you think goalies hate shootouts? I mean, I assume they do, but... I don't know. I mean, I bet some relish it. Probably, t- it probably varies team to team. Like I'm sure, I'm sure people don't like going to a shootout against the Oilers, Blackhawks, Penguins, Capitals, Stars, Bolts. Goalies are weird too. I don't know why I'm trying to think but, like a goalie. Yeah, but you can't <laughs> think like a goalie. They're the weirdest, the weirdest athletes on the world. But we love them. To answer your question. Well, that's in in modern shootout history. That's the longest yeah. shootout I can think of. All right. So when did playoff beards become Ooh, a that's thing? That's a good one. That's a very good one. Uh, I, I want to say. Yeah, I want to say. Man, my best guess would be that it's something recent, but I also would not be shocked to find out if they did it in like the 80s. But I'm trying to – I just I, – I can't picture in my mind old, like, old hockey footage. In the 80s. Beards. Yeah, it says it starts really? in the okay. 80s, according to Mike Bossy. <laughs> like, oh, according to Mike Bossy, it was likely started by teammate Butch Goring. There's a big picture of McCarty on the article that I'm looking at. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I love a good playoff beard. Admittedly, I keep my beard for, you know, 11 months out of the year. <laughs> but I definitely take less – like, I, I let it really get too long and out of control during the playoffs. It's worth it for that. Yeah, I will say that probably it – like, playoff beards stretching into fans' participation is probably recent. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I would definitely admit that, yeah. Especially, yeah, probably his beards became more acceptable in, like, everyday jobs, not yeah. just professional sports. Yeah. It's a good question. Thanks. When did your playoff beard start? Um, <laughs> I've been working on it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you avoid smashing your face into the glass or the dashers? Ugh. You don't, really. It, yeah. You just kind of get lucky. I was going to say luck. Yeah. I mean, I, that seems, and you know, they introduced the visors, and for those who don't know, it's a grandfather thing. So if you see guys out there without visors, it's because they're in the league before they implemented the rule. But anyone who joins the league now has to wear a visor, which I guess would help with a little bit of that. But you're right; it is always yeah, scary, especially when they go into like the stanchions and stuff like that. 
yeah, the, that yeah, that seems pretty pretty unavoidable. You know, you think back to like Char's hit on Pacioretty years ago that caught him right on the you know the end of the bench, which is absolutely brutal. I I think you just I mean these guys have been doing this for a long time. Uh, I I even remember like my personal experience. Just you can hear guys coming up on you, and short of a blindside hit, you just kind of have the ability to like the wherewithal to know like all right, my face is going to go this direction. What part of my helmet is going to protect me from certain death? Yeah, I was going to say it's it's more of like a human instinct thing. It's like you're just you're just instinctual to save your face. I think. Yeah. And then there are guys who, you know, even when they're up against the boards, some of these guys are so big that they don't really – they'll take the hit, but it's really their body weight flying back in the face of the other guy. Like you see – it's actually called a penalty sometimes, but it's just kind of – like Zach said, like it's your instinct to try to protect your face, I'd assume, when it's the only thing really out there. But that is – it's a good question because that is the reason – the main reason why hits from behind are so – such a no-no. Yeah, I mean, so if, scary. If, if Chris Draper yeah. or is it Draper or Malpy, if the Red Wings knew how to guard their face from blindside hits, then the uh, fight night at the Joe never happens. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right, next question. Why do linesmen's fake drop the puck or otherwise take so long? Oh, this is the most annoying. Yeah, you go I, ahead and answer this. Yeah, I, I like this question because I never understood it either. I feel like some refs probably have an ego. And they're just like, I want to make myself a spectacle for two and a half seconds. And I don't, I don't, I, and I also don't know what the relationship between centers and linesmen are. Like, I don't know if they know specific linesmen, like, oh God, this guy's dropping the puck. We're in for a circus. Like, <laughs> I don't know how that goes. Yeah. I, I feel like the player relationship does like subconsciously have an effect on it. I think it boils down to not being. Like, think about NBA referees and baseball umps are involved in basically every single play. And you can go minutes without even realizing that the referees are there in hockey. And it shouldn't be this way. I mean, from what we hear from, you know, some players and, and guys who have played in the league, that there are, you know, a lot of the stripes are good, are good guys. And they don't really have an issue with them, but it's their only time to – I don't know, be on camera. And maybe it's just, you know, they're testing the guys, just trying to not have an impact on the game, but I don't know, be noticed, be a part of the game. But that's the only really thing, like you said, ego. If it's, it's, if it's all a, really boiled down to. Yeah, if it's anything like Chell, I guess after a certain amount of time, you get used to the different pauses. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think, and I think this is one of your questions, so we can answer it too. Like, uh, along the lines of, like, kicking them out of the face-off dot. That's our next question. Yeah. It, it, that's really all it's for, it seems like now, is to, is to punish guys. Like, they just – I know if you keep guys guessing, you're evening the odds at the face-off circle, but even if one guy knows it's coming, a good face-off guy is a good face-off guy. They're, you know, like Patrice Bergeron and Evgeny Malkin, I think – but I know Patrice Bergeron is he's one of the best. So a millisecond isn't gonna make much difference to him, but that's how they kick guys out of the faceoff circle is they you know, they go too soon and face off violation they switch with. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know all the technicalities. I mean, obviously the hash marks are there for skate placement, and I think the away team has to put their stick down first. But other than that, I don't really know. And and they'll fake it, and then they'll kick a guy out, which you know, it's anyone who's watching and doesn't understand all the techni- te- technicalities, like myself. You're like, well, what, what, what's going on mm-hmm. here? But, but they they kick a guy out, and there must be some sort of understanding because there's never a fit thrown about a guy getting kicked out. It seems like. Yeah, only in late game situations, I feel like there's a there's a fit thrown. I want to ask you, Zach, because you play NHL a lot, and I play it a good amount. What's better, the or what would you rather have the current set, setup for faceoffs, where if you go early, you're punished by like a seventy percent chance yeah. to win the faceoff, yeah. or them switching out like with your winger. Ooh, I actually like that. I like if you know if they switched out their winger. Obviously, the winger's probably gonna have a lower faceoff rating, and it'll lower your chance. It's probably not by about seventy percent, like you said, because it does seem like if you go too early, you're dead out of the water. Just not, you're not even gonna win the faceoff. Yeah, I, I'd be. I would like that if they added that to the game. That'd be an advanced thing. But yeah, if they kicked guys out, that'd be cool. Yeah, especially in like the in the club games and everything, you get actual human players that play the wing. Who maybe you know it wouldn't eliminate your chances of winning the faceoff, which I like. But that was a good that was a good question. Have, I'm sure a lot of people wonder why they're constantly switching faceoff men. I will say, as an addition to this answer, and I've seen it before, and it's interesting that teams will put two centers out there, and then they'll have a guy purposely go early, get kicked out of the dot to have a faceoff matchup that the other team, who maybe had a second change, didn't see coming. So it's an extra strategy. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, uh, we've got the goalie pulled strategy. <laughs> All right, so this next question is like a multi-worded right. question. Oh, boy. Multi-worded or multi-terms. <laughs> so what are the terms, um, what does the crease mean? That's just the blue paint in front of the nose. Less and less every year, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. <laughs> All right, what is the odd man rush? Mm, I'll let KJ take this one. It's a good question. The uh, Ottoman Rush, probably invented by the Blackhawks, is when like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane are going on the ice, and there's only one defenseman there, or no, nobody in the back. Like it's just when a team has an advantage going up the ice towards the other team's net. So like three on two, two on one. You know, even I don't think a breakaway is considered an odd man rush. I think it's just called a breakaway, yeah. but two on one, three on, three on two, three on one, stuff like that. And ultimately, odd man rushes are pretty valuable considering that's where bulk of you know one time and snapshot goals come from. Yeah, usually if the team doesn't screw it up, it usually leads to a scoring chance. But yeah, it's basically hockey's term for we got numbers. <laughs> <laughs> what does the slot mean? I think it's actually been nicknamed Ovi's office. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be between the circles um, in the offensive zone. The high, the high slot would be like at the tops of the circles between them, but basically the best scoring area. Okay. Um, what is the half wall? The half wall is just the boards, I'm pretty sure. I was going to say, I have no Board. idea. Yeah, I, the only time I ever hear half wall is when Doc Emmerich says it on NHL, actually. 
Um, I mean, the the half wall on the ice is where the benches are. Yeah, technically it's speaking, the, yeah. Um, oh, because it's half of the wall. It's half, like, there's no glass there, obviously. So, okay. like, there's glass in front of the penalty box, so that wouldn't be a half wall. But. Um, what is a pinch and gap? Pinching. Well, you can, like, I mean, you can even pinch the gap, honestly. P- pinching. Ayo. Mainly a defensive term, and ironically leads enough or leads to most odd man rushes. But think about if if you're playing if you're playing defense and the puck kind of gets away from the crowd of people, or you see a guy chasing the puck but you think you can get there in time to make the play, you're pinching, and usually one of the forwards is filling your gap because now you've moved up to where the forward would be coming back. Yeah, the pinch the pinch was much more popular when the two line pass was a rule because you could afford to pinch up and because they can't make a pass over the blue line or red line, so it, it, they've gone away from it lately because you just kind of have to sag off and respect people's speed these days. Um, why would we respect Why would we respect people's speed if all we want is fighting? Oh man, I don't think we want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. After your time of playing for the NHL, are players able to go back to college and play again? <clears throat> no, no. You can't go back and play. The, you can't play the same sport in college that you've already played professionally. I, like if you played – go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think that's a rule for every sport. If you Even if you have eligibility left, if you go pro and you make money playing the sport, you can't go back to an amateur, I believe. Like, I think it was Brandon Whedon. He played professional baseball, but came back and played college football and then got drafted. Yeah, yeah, so you can cross sports, but yeah, you're right, not in the same sport. Plus, after your time in the NHL, you're probably like 30. If you're lucky, I guess. And broken. Um, When a team takes a timeout, does that mean that both teams get a timeout? Yeah, they can both go to their own bench. Yeah, they're not each charged a timeout, but yeah, they are able to both meet. Uh, next one. How do players know when to come on and off the ice? And how do they know what line they're in and who tells them when to go? I guess it was a multi. It's, it's a it, it, I mean, overall, the answer is the coach. Um, you know, pregame, you'll set your lines. Normally, it at morning skate, you need your you set your lines, um, and then the coach just you know you kind of have an internal clock as a player, and your coach is also yelling for line changes. You know, you know you know when your you know minute 50, forty five to a minute fifteen second shift is up, things like that. Um, and then even with the power play and penalty kill lines, those are specific. But obviously, penalty kill lines also depend a little bit on who the player that got the penalty was. So it's, it's all determined by the coach. Co- you know, some special teams coaches will make line changes, but normally it's the head coach making those decisions. Yeah, some lines have names. I mean, if you ever see Miracle, obviously you know about the cone headline. So it could be something like coaches just yelling, you know, cone headline, or maybe he's just patting three guys on the back, going, "Hey, you guys are out next," something like that. Yeah, there's been MVP lines, the grind line. Uh, right now, there's the perfection line. The triplets line in Tampa was fun. They were good. Um, what team made hockey so famous and entertaining to watch? 
Well, as fans of original six teams, it's probably those ones. Yeah, I'm not sure I mean, that there's one specific. That's a good answer. I mean, the original six. Obviously, the Canadians have 26 cups, so they're probably the first thing that people turn to when they're new to hockey. But Yeah, I, I think hockey was always going to be entertaining in Canada. I think the early success of the Bruins, Hawks, Wings, and Rangers to an extent definitely helped in the U.S. Uh, I mean, it def- there's definitely no NHL if those American teams aren't successful in their infancy. But, you know, from league changes and league mergers and everything like that, I think you'll always point back to the original six, specifically probably, honestly, Montreal and Detroit. Yeah, and maybe, as, you know, as, if, if, as far as fame. if we're talking about what makes hockey so popular, maybe we're still looking for that answer, too. <laughs> That's true, too. We're, we're waiting for hockey to be popular, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll be able to answer that. All right, last one. If there could be any hockey player, dead or alive, that you could play with one time, who would it be and why? Are we playing a game, or, are we, or do we have one shift with them? Um... You play a whole game with them? Yeah. Okay. Zach, I'll let you go first. Um, I'm going to go with Maurice Rocket Richard. Uh, Ooh. <clears throat> it's hard not to say Wayne Gretzky, obviously, but I think you know what you're going to get. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Is it? I think you know what you're going to get with Wayne. I, I would be interested to see, you know, obviously Rocket Richard was a great goal scorer, and he's just not talked about much. I would like to see, I would like to play with him, see what, uh, how he carried himself on the ice in the flesh. That, w- that would be interesting. I think it's – I was half joking, but I think it's easy not to say Gretzky and Sid because you'll just never be able to appreciate it, play with them. Yeah. Like I'm assuming I'm still the same skill level that I am today. <laughs> like I, I'm i not like an NHL caliber, caliber player. Yeah, you're – I'm me. Now. I'm still me with a busted knee. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say Sergei Fedorov. Oh, that's a good one. He's he's one of my all-time favorite players. His speed was like I just sit there and feed him outlet pass. <laughs> he, he was so fast. He was such an incredible scorer. Um he's a he he's the number one, but right behind him is Vladimir Konstantinov, obviously. Huge. I want to name my my son Vladimir. <laughs> or our son, sorry. No. <laughs> So is that a who? That what a, about you? What hockey player would you like to play with? I don't know. Still new into hockey, so Mark Stone, Clayton yeah. Stoner, Clayton Stoner. Yeah. <laughs> if Clayton you can't Stoner. tell by her tone of voice, Stephanie's a big Clayton Stoner fan. Paul Bissonette. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think current NHL though, Tyler Sagan. Mm, that's a good one. Just, just be able to look at him in person. You're just going to stare real, at him the whole real, time. Real handsome You're guy. You're just be standing at the face-off dodge, just staring at him the whole time. <laughs> uh, so that was, all, that was all your questions? That was all the questions. Zach, uh, did we miss once anything? I finish, once I finish this book, I'll probably have more. No. Uh, Stephanie's reading uh, Keep Your Eye Off the Puck. Oh, that's right. right. By Greg Shinsky. Yeah. yeah, very, very good book from what I've been told. From a new hockey fan reading the book, she she loves it. Uh, did we miss anything, Zach? I don't think we missed anything. I like this this novice episode. Yeah, I, yeah, I like bringing bringing someone in who you know can ask the questions that people in similar situations are going to be asking. Yeah. 
and I'm sure a lot of it with Stephanie and, and I know Meg, you know, you're slowly getting Meg more involved in hockey, in hockey. Uh, I'm sure she hears you talk about so many things that just sound like Spanish. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Corsi, Fenwick, PDO. All that <laughs> uh, what are you watching this weekend? Um, I debating on whether or not I'm going to watch the NBA All-Star game on, well, tomorrow at this point. Um, I don't know. I usually don't, but I might watch it this year. Uh, other than that, there's some good games tonight. That'll be there's a couple late games, good games tonight. The Capitals, Coyotes, and then the Islanders, Golden Knights. I'll be watching tonight. Are you watching the Stadium Series game? Ooh, I will be watching the Stadium Series game. Are you watching it? I am. I we talked about it before the episode. Slightly disappointing that it's Avs Kings. But if I've learned anything from outdoor games, the Kings are going to win this game and shoot yeah. out. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. It just never goes. It's, it's always it, – you could put Boston, Detroit out there, and it would probably be a good game. It's just weird. Yeah, it'll, I mean, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be entertaining. I'm sure it's going to be very military-heavy being played at the Air Force. But I'm, I'm excited to see these jerseys live in action. Because I, I truly, truly hate both of them. So we'll see how they look uh, on McKinnon and the boys, and, and you know, see if it's if if it's worth the purchase. I was actually shopping for them before well, we recorded, but of course. You were. <laughs> By the way, do you want to tell the listeners about uh your dog and it hating the predators? <laughs> I sent you that video. I tried. We had this predators blanket because it was cheap at some store we got, and I put it on the dog, and it just shed that blanket so fast, and I could not be more proud. <laughs> absolutely love to hear it. Um, all right, well, that's it. For Maria, for at Belly of Zach Mac, for at Steffi, I'll put it in the description because I don't know how she spells that. I'm at Belly of KJ. This was at Puck Puck Pass Pod. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to head over to podchaser.com, find our page, leave us a review, and make sure you check out uh, the Nick Moraldo interview. We, you know, it was a lot of fun. I, really great guy to talk to and if you have any interest in what it's like to be living as a hockey fan in a football dominated city you're gonna like that episode so go check that out thank you again for listening we will talk to you next week getting educated. we saw no light we saw no signal be sure to follow your hosts on twitter at gearholtz underscore k at belly up zach mac and at Puck Puck Pass Pop.